Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. It is Wednesday, the 17th of August, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us. This is the 123rd edition of the show. On the broadcast today, I'm going to be featuring a conversation with Pierre Parent, who is an Indigenous street outreach worker in Geogiage, Montreal. Pierre works with a new initiative called the Indigenous Support Workers Project. This is a network of frontline Indigenous street workers. These are people who work for community organizations that support people living in precarity, both on the streets, but also in in between spaces, between having a home and not having a home. This interview was recorded in the context of a series that I'm doing looking at the effects of gentrification and the housing crisis in Geogiage, Montreal, but also looking at that reality within a global context. There is an increasing inaffordability of rental units in Montreal. This is a pattern we see internationally. Within this context, Indigenous people are disproportionately affected particularly Indigenous people who've come to the city from communities outside of major urban centres for things like medical support and attention or education. Many people are struggling once arriving to the city in terms of accessing affordable housing, but also the entire colonial context of the disconnect between Indigenous communities and urban colonial city structures like we see in Geogiage, Montreal. Pierre really gives some important insights here as a frontline support worker who is dealing with the realities of Indigenous precarity and homelessness on the streets in the context of the pandemic, but also beyond. Here's my conversation with Pierre. A lot of people are talking about the housing crisis in Montreal and how that's impacting poor communities, working class communities, of course, street involved communities. Um, housing is becoming more and more inaccessible, of course, to buy, but just on a basic level to rent a room for a month. And this has particular impacts for indigenous communities in the city. Um, that means um, people are struggling to find a roof, uh, even um, in the winter, but also here in the summer. So if you can maybe just introduce yourself and just talk a bit about, um, just on a basic level, some of the work that you do and the organization you're part of. Absolutely, thank you for this opportunity. Um, my name is Pierre Parent. I am 52 years old, Anishinaabe, uh, fairly new to Montreal, and I work for an organization called ISWP, Indigenous Support Worker Project. We are a project that's about three years old. Um, it was started uh, as a result of uh, my, 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 my employer and other members that noticed that on the, on the Milton Park plateau area of Montreal, there was lack of support for, for Indigenous homeless people, and there was a, an, an issue there, uh, many issues, one of them being, being housing, as you mentioned, um, certainly a hot topic in the media right now, no doubt about that. Um, 
not just a hot topic, but a, but a, but a harsh reality and one with no easy solutions. So I encourage and I welcome opportunities like this where we can discuss the, the, the realities and the truths and try to build a little awareness and understanding. You know, not, not, we're talking about the housing crisis and this issue, but also of Indigenous people with housing and many other factors. So when we talk about the housing crisis in the Milton Park area, so that's close to McGill University, of course, and there's been in recent years uh, a growing community of Indigenous people in that area. Uh, there's a lot to say about that, given the history of McGill and colonization. <laughs> um, but just on a very uh, city uh, level right now, like in terms of the area, can you just sort of describe some of the issues that you're dealing with and why it's also important that Indigenous workers are dealing with this situation? Thank you. Um, just recently, uh, last in May, I believe, the Ombudsman's report came out following an investigation from citizens that were complaining about what was going on in the, in the Milton Park area, um, calling it incivilities and uh, other words, uh, describing what they see with the homeless or, or, or unhoused Indigenous people, a large percentage of them being Inuit at the corner of Milton and Park and whatnot. Uh, one, that's been one of the areas, but that's where the Ombudsman report was uh, mentioned. They're calling it a humanitarian crisis, and uh, this humanitarian crisis is, 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 is long-fold. You know, it's, it's far more than just housing. Um, it's, 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 as you said, 500 years of colonizations. Re the, you know, the, the realities of it, the lateral violence, the intergenerational trauma, all these things that cause, um, not cause, but are factors as to why our people, Inuit people gather at certain cities, areas across the city and this is going on in every city in Canada as well Turtle Island or whether we're talking about Winnipeg Lower East Side of Vancouver whatever it is um, however uh, the focus being what I estimate we work on the plateau we don't work at Cabot Square necessarily Chinatown necessarily but we work in collaboration with all these organizations and individuals um, so yeah, so, so there, there has been a large population lately and this population has increased um, possibly due to COVID you know, there's all kinds of restrictions from them people going back up north or people being stranded, coming out of prison, uh, healthcare system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they, these, these people, once are new to Montreal, they'll gather amongst themselves. They'll gather amongst community or family or language or, you know, safety amongst each other. Trying to find some That's support. right, that's right. And um, that's the beauty of ISWP is that we, being Indigenous ourselves, um, have a relationship that's, that's, that's very unparalleled to other organizations or individuals that, that work you know, in outreach and whatnot. And once again, I tip my hat off to every one of these organizations. We you know, have, have lived experience as well as, as education to, for, 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 our, for our positions. And we are on the streets. Um, we, we, you know, we were there for emotional, physical first aid, mental first aid, whatever. We're there to be a presence, you know, in, in, in the difficult times, in the easy times, and in, in, in the whatever. And um, we, 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 you know, we, we offer a lot of, of services to bridge the gap, let's say, between the healthcare system or the justice system. And recently, ISWP has been working with the housing system. We've uh, managed to get some funding at the end of COVID, and we were able to successfully put 12 
of our community members that were that were you know hardcore street people for, for many of them for many 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 years into housing programs in the last in the last few months uh, this started in October November December and it continues to do so right now so we support them with housing workers we're branching them off to other organizations that take have housing programs open door play milieu chez Doris and uh, so the differences that these apartments and these houses have made for these apartments, I mean, have made for these people, is is is, is phenomenal. Is 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 on beyond belief. Of course, there's challenges to do it. There's all kinds of challenges to anything, but the rewards are phenomenal. You know, these people now feel like they have identity, purpose, direction. You know, so yeah, things are happening. Can you sort of like maybe give us a picture, like so, with your organization, like, say you're going out let's say it's like three days ago you're going out trying to deal with some of these issues that people are facing mm -hmm. what does a day look like for you um i um iswp really believes in peer support so one of the things that we do uh, very often is we'll hire peer workers to come work with me the outreach worker a couple of people might be garbage collector you know people that will pick up trash or something along the way i'll have a shadow worker who follows me and is in training to, to, to you know, to, to, to become a, an employee or whatever. And uh, this is something we, we do on a weekly basis in the Milton and Park area. We're a presence, we clean up. Um, our team has diminished at ISWP very much due to lack of funding. However, on the good side of it, we recently incorporated as fully indigenous in the last three or four weeks. So this is a means we're like at a, we're at a, we're at a, we're, we're at a groundbreaking stage right now in our small little organization. Um, the last two years, all we've been doing really, not all we've been doing, but what we've been doing is putting out fires relating to COVID. You know, a lot of a lot of our people were were in quarantine. A lot of people weren't allowed to to have access to to food or or certain shelters or whatnot because they wouldn't get tested or they couldn't get tested or whatever the case may be. So we had to improvise on a daily basis. We were really kept on our toes during this two this two years of the pandemic. Um, Wapakoni had given us a lend us a trailer that you we had. Okay, Wapakoni is an indigenous organization that, um, that, that, that is involved in filming and whatnot or, or uh, in native communities. I think it's only across Quebec. Yeah, the arts, exactly. Oh, okay. Supports, yeah, and uh, all kinds of grants and fundings. And so anyway, they lent us one of their trailers because they couldn't use it during... So we had a home base behind the Mont Royal metro station. Right. And we had a heating st a tent there that the, the tent the, the city put up twice, two winters in a row. And... Um, so, so we had our community at hand and we were able to look after them and whatnot. Uh, March 31st, COVID funding ending, everything ended. And now we're, we have no home base or anything left. So our shifts really are on the street. Like I start my shift at 10 o'clock in the morning. I have a backpack full of supplies, whether, whether it's harm reduction supplies, you know, um, the reality is, you know, like uh, crack pipes and stuff like that, safe injection site. Although our people are not necessarily highly in, in, in that, you know, but we do have that. Of course, I've always got a naloxone kit, first aid kit on me. I've got, you know, anything from socks to, 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 to female hygiene products or, or whatever the case may be, you know. So, um, and, uh, and we, what we like to do very often is carry country food with us, which is Inuit traditional food. Um, that's, uh, you know, we believe that language, culture, food, music are the things that gather the people together. So if we can, you know, have a little bit of that taste of home when we're on the street, you know, whether it's cut up seal or caribou or whatever it is, we, um, it, uh, it, 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 it brings the people together and puts the smiles on their faces. So yeah, that, that's, that's my shift. You know, I cover a lot of ground. Our, our area pretty much is from Place des Arts up 
Park Avenue up to Montreuil, up to Papineau. So that's pretty much our grid there. So it's a lot of ground to cover. Um, my position is outreach worker, peer support team leader. And um, yeah, I, 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 you know, we cover, we cover Milton and Park, of course. We go in front of a, met, uh, of a, a native friendship center. So we collaborate a lot with them. We collaborate with PAC2. Um, PAC2 is Projet Autochtone Québécois. Projet Autochtone Québécois has two shelters in the city, one being a non-intoxicated uh, shelter and the other one's a you know, wet shelter, if, they, if you will. And they also have a managed alcohol program house that I go to on a daily basis because I support the community members that are there. Uh, I could talk about these issues and many more for hours and hours and hours. Um, but yeah, we're, we're on the bricks, you know, we, we go to the, to the people where they are, we sit down with them, we don't just offer a sandwich and take off. You know, you'll see that a lot at Milton and Park, and no disrespect to anybody that, that does want to do good things, but it's, 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 we need to actually sit down and build the relationships and, and maintain these relationships. So when there is need for them to go to, to for any situation, you know, to, 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 to deal with the police, to deal with the healthcare system, to, to deal with the justice system, to, there's, there's that gap that's so wide, we tried to bridge it, you know. We, we, we have that, 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 that common bond with our, with our community members. Well, I think often maybe people, um don't have a sense of how f big that gap is so say like accessing housing like in the context of rising rent yeah. and gentrification in the city like just to apply to a co-op or social housing like there's a lot of paperwork involved and also there's so few uh, units available um can you maybe just sort of describe um from your perspective working with people on the ground why like acknowledging that gap is important, whether it's linguistic, whether it's access to computers, um, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Despite growing recognition, um, most Canadians remain very little aware of the, the actual history of, of our people and, and what's happened and the truth that, that have led to where we are today. You know, there, there's that need to, to understand the, the, these, 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 these factors that, that, that still come into play today. And that affects in every single aspect. Once again, that affects in, in that, that, that communication between Indigenous and non-Indigenous. Uh, that affects, the, um, you know, the, the, the trust level and, and the, the accessibility. So that's what I talk about when that gap I talk about, you know. Um, there's always that sense of authority and, and then a feeling of lesser than for our people. So it's difficult for them to... to to approach these subjects or to, to you know, it's, it's easy to give up, it seems, when the challenges start arising. Um, so housing being one of them, of course, and we are grateful that, that this is one thing that we're able to support, one of the things we're able to support them with. You know, we, we've set them in apartments and we do the liaison with the, the landlords and we go there to sign the lease and explain what the lease is about and, you know, sometimes have to do it in the, in the language, whether it's Anishinaabe, Cree, whatever, Inuk. Um, so so, so that, that's the difference and the, the patience and the, the understanding of, you know, how they're processing these questions and how to answer them. So so that, that, that's where we're at. We're like a... I don't know how to use the word mediators, we're like, uh, we're peers, we're peers to our people and we, we help in these matters, so housing being one of them, you know, we, uh, we have some landlords that are working with us, we have a building on Jean Talon where we have six dif different uh, Inuit uh, homeless, ex-homeless people living in apartments, so that's, that's, that's like a, a central base for them as well, so they're happy for that. Um, 
You know, this is all in the stage of growing for us. It's all new to us, and we're, we're, we're learning as we go ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, the, 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 the rewards are just are, are, are the self-fulfillment and the thankfulness that we're getting from our people is, is beyond belief, you know. And so it continues on a daily basis. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. But, you know, we, we're learning, and we're helping, and we're trying. I try not to use the word helping, but supporting. Respect. Mm. When people talk about the housing crisis in Montreal, um, there is a, a housing shortage, there is a housing crisis, there is rising rents. But when people think about it, um, I think it could be helpful to underline the extra layer of difficulty and social violence that comes with this crisis as it impacts Indigenous people. Um, there's a whole nother situation there's a whole another layer um so i'm just wondering if you could maybe try to encourage people to think about that this question with the deepened perspective of how housing crisis has a particular impact for indigenous communities yeah it's, it's, it's you said it's an extra layer um I talk to many, you know, we deal with many intervention workers, outreach workers from different organizations on a regular basis. And there's just that, that immediate recognition that, you know, we're not better or worse or anything. But when we work with indigenous people, there's just a different level of intervention required, of outreach required. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's these little subtleties or skills or, or major things that, that, that you learn you know, being part of the culture, being part of the family or whatnot. Um, and, and as such goes, goes with, the, with the housing situation as well. We know it's a situation across the city, across the province, across the country, but we're focusing on the, on the, on the city here. Um, certainly a hot topic, but um, for our people, it's just that much more difficult. You know, whether they, they, they've never had a, a rental reference before, whether they're out of the, the justice system, whether the communication levels arise, whether just little things like, a, like an, most Inuit people, out of, they won't, won't look you in the eyes. That's just the way, you know, that it is. So, you know, when you're having an interview, let's say with a landlord, it's just these little things that, that make people, you know, and there's all the stereotypes and, and the prejudices that are real as well. You know, these cannot be denied. Systemic racism is not just a word. You know, it's, 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 it's a truth. We see it in the healthcare system. We've seen it with Joyce Eshaquan. We see it with the over-representation of indigenous people in prisons. Why is it? Because they're all bad people? There's more to it than that. So that's what I'm trying to find. I'm trying to let people build some awareness. I say, walk a mile in my moccasins is a saying I often say. You know, you have to understand the challenges and the trauma that individually and collectively each and every one of these people on the street corner has suffered and continues to suffer. You know, just, just imagine, you, you grow up, you, you're a small baby, you live in a small cardboard shack, you know, with, with 11, 12 people in it, you know, and inside those 12 people, well, you're crowded and you're hungry and you're, 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 you know, there's poverty and there's, there's often abuse and there's often addictions and there's often trauma and there's often violence and suicide and all these things that you face and day after day after day and you live in a community of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. You try to escape, you go to the neighbors next door, same thing's happening at the neighbors next door, you know? Then you get the, you know, it's, it's, it's you have to understand the, 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 you know, the violence and the, the and people always say, oh, blame residential schools. They, they are such a strong impact on why this has happened, just as the Indian Act was, just as, you know, genocide was prior to that, just as all these things. So, so 
of course it dominates into into the housing program housing 100 it's just that extra challenge those extra challenges and barriers and and then misconceptions and stereotypes and etc 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 so last question um when we think about like this city there's so many condo towers going up there's like a lot of revamping of you know rental units into condos and at the same time what we're seeing if we're talking about mount royal metro if we're talking about milton park if we're talking about cabot square we see people on the streets and there's this contradiction of this idea that oh well you know montreal la joie de vivre of the city is advancing and you know people are sort of leveling up all all this renovations going on but the rents are hiking and there's this spillover that is like a very very clear illustration both of colonization but also the fact that people can't afford housing so why is it so important to like to to think about like the fact that it's not even really cracks anymore it's like it's 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 not like a few people are falling through the cracks this is a pretty huge crisis the numbers have started coming out like in covid how many people have life have been completely displaced whether you know loss of apartments housing relationships and whatnot and the domino effect as i was talking about is 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 increasing and increasing and increasing and, and gaining strength and momentum and and yeah the housing situation um, people don't realize how quickly it can happen to them also you know like there's studies that you know three three paychecks or something and then you could actually be facing that and and uh, you know it's easy to say you know that that person on the street should get a job or that person should, should you know should get an apartment or that person should quit drinking or whatever it is but there's so much variables and there's so much more that we need to understand so that's why I'm grateful that yes it's a hot topic in the media right now the whole housing situation the situation with, with, with the indigenous all these things are people are talking about it there's social media there's activism there's these things I'm not a, a totally glass half empty kind of a guy you know I still believe that there's hope but yeah it is a, a serious serious issue in Montreal it's uh, it's been here for a while it's increasing I believe and I don't think it's going anywhere soon so I'm a guy of solutions not a guy of problems you know I'm a street worker I'm not uh, you know into political agendas and stuff like that or, or, or aware of you know administration behind the scenes and finances and all that but I see what I see on a daily basis it can't be denied it can't be ignored and um, we need more than just criticize about it we need to, to, to figure out solutions because you don't know. You don't know how it can happen to you or somebody else close to you. Or, you know, it's 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 a rapid descent, and once you are there, it's pretty hard to climb back up. That's what it is. It's pretty hard to climb back up. Thankfully, there's organizations such as ours that are, you know, realizing this and then doing what we can. But we're just a small organization. You know, we have very very limited budget. We are, you know, basically not known. We, you know, we're still building an internet site and all these things. You know, we've been putting out fire for the last two years with the COVID. So, so, but I'm thankful for interviews as, as such for this today. Absolutely. That was a conversation with Pierre Perron who is an indigenous uh, worker dealing with people struggling with precarity and homelessness. Uh, he has started an initiative called the Indigenous Support Workers Project that groups together um, 
frontline support workers from community organizations in the city, Geogiage, Montreal, in the colonial nation state of Canada. This is a context of the pandemic where there's many Indigenous people struggling with uh, these systemic issues of economic violence that is tied to the colonial history of Canada. And uh, it's really exciting to see the organizing efforts attempting to address this reality led by Indigenous street workers like Pierre. This interview is part of a series that I have been doing with a network of sound artists who are working to address the housing crisis and realities of gentrification in Geogiagi, Montreal. I felt it was really important to hear from an Indigenous person grappling with these issues as part of this series. And the project is called Enquête Sonore sur une crise de logement à Montréal, so a sonic inquiry into the housing crisis of Montreal. And I will be featuring interviews recorded within the context of this project over the upcoming months. Thank you to everybody who participated in sharing their thoughts and reflections about the housing crisis in Montreal for this series. I'm Stefan Christoph. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and our archives are at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. I'll go out this week with an excerpt of a song by an Indigenous singer-songwriter, Beatrice Deer. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care.
Jangitunga. <laughs>